Good morning. It is Danger Dan here in the talk shop. Dude, I recorded a podcast with Alex Jones. You familiar with Alex Jones? Even if you think you are. You aren't. So after I got back from Ohio, no, before I left to go to Ohio, somebody sent me uh, a news article from Road and Track about some dude just broke the motorcycle cannonball record. And I read the article, very fucking interesting. And I'm like, damn, I wonder if I can, wonder where this guy's, no, no, in the article it said the dude lives in Dallas, Dallas fucking Texas. So immediately I started looking for Alex Jones. Now, looking for Alex Jones on the web when it's not your favorite conspiracy theorist, Alex Jones, is very difficult. But I reached out to my friend Moose from Moosecraft because he knows a bunch of people that I don't know, uh, especially around the Metroplex. So I hit him up, and he was like, oh, I think I know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. That didn't pan out. But then he just, you know, pressed something in Instagram, and the guy showed up. So he sent me his contact, and I reached out to Alex Jones over Instagram and was like, dude, you're fucking insane. Let's talk about it. And um, what did he say? Oh, he was like, he was going to be busy for a week or so. Anyways, we got it set up. When I got back from Ohio, Alex Jones showed up on the bike that he broke the record with. Now, as as you'll hear us talk about, it's like an unofficial, official record. And he did some very interesting things to document it. He got a... Oh, a notary at each place, New York and in California, to like notarize some shit. Uh, I don't know. It's pretty fucking sweet. I mean, there's no like, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't guess there's like an entity that's uh, keeping track of these illegal records, but uh, th- this guy ain't full of shit. There's, he just ain't. Uh, it was really rad. <clears throat> You're going to enjoy this podcast. And he, what an interesting dude. Uh, we talk about, I guess, when he was like 18, he just like rode to South America. He had to do some tricky things to get permission from his mother at that point. But, uh, dude, really, really cool cat. Alex, thanks for coming out. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. Maybe I'll see you in Honduras in a couple months, man. And his bike's for sale. Uh, If I can get the information, I mean, apparently it's on just Dallas Craigslist. And it's got radar jammers, laser jammers, all sorts of trick shit. Fucking extra fuel tank. And uh, I don't know. I thought that was pretty rad. And uh, I don't know. Let's fucking get into it. Extermination Day with Thou Shall Not Hassle. Thank you, Zach, at Heavy Clothing. 
Check out Heavy Clothing at heavy.bigcartel.com or Heavy Clothing on the Gram. Uh, dude, got, a, got, I guess, Thanksgiving's tomorrow. First things first, fucking Turkey Day. Uh, Black Friday, I'm sure it's going to be like Black Friday sales. People are going to be selling shit. You're going to be buying shit. Um, if I get my shit together, I'll do a leftover sale. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, that's a lot to do. I don't know if that's going to happen. Maybe what they do, Cyber Mondays. Maybe we'll do it Monday. And then when I get back from Vegas, I can ship all the shit. So that will only be for MC Shop T subscribers. So if you are not a subscriber, you will not get the link and you will not be included in the sale. So sign up. Um, but, uh, headed to Las fucking Vegas next week, dude. This is, the 50-year anniversary of when Hunter S. Thompson went to Vegas to write an article about the Mint 400 for Sports Illustrated and ended up writing Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas instead. That's rad, right? My buddy Zach from Idaho was, was telling me about that. So I went, dug up some shit, did some reading. I can't find the article. I don't know that he ever really wrote the article for Sports Illustrated, or maybe I just haven't found it yet. Uh, if anybody has that link or information, reach out. Um, but I'm pretty stoked about it, dude. Me, a was, and knives made by Nick are driving out on Monday, headed to Vegas by way of New Mexico to pick up uh, the pit vehicle, the Can Am. <clears throat> and uh, dude, I, I really couldn't be more stoked. Really couldn't. Carlos is flying out. Randall's flying out. Um, Brian Helm is riding his motorcycle down from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The camera guy is going to ride his motorcycle from New York to Vegas. What a fucking badass, dude. Uh, he might be more stoked than anybody. I hope he's got fucking warm gear. I mean, the weather's been nice, but I mean, he's coming from New York, and he's got to make good time. So that's rad. Brian Helm, can't wait to see you. Uh, there's a bunch of rad people that are going to be there, too, that are going to be racing. Tyler Valentick, I think is his name, the kid who won the Biltwell 100. He's coming out and racing. Mikey Virus is going to be there racing, except for Mikey won't be on a sports tour this year. He'll be riding this Ducati desert sled trying to fucking knock down Jordan Graham off the podium. Uh, that'll be a hell of a battle. I I imagine that that's going to be a battle. Fucking Jordan Graham and Mikey Virus on Ducati desert sleds. Yeah, if you're out there watching, pay attention to those two motherfuckers. Um, I don't know who else. I I don't have the list pulled up, but there's going to be some some rad motherfuckers that aren't very smart, just like us riding sportsters across the desert. It's amazing how stoked I am about that. Um. And then that's it, dude. We're done doing motorcycle events for the year. I think there's a couple Christmas parties. Um, going to go see Billy, Louisiana. Um, we're actually working on another race bike, putting together a flathead tank shift race bike, which I'm super stoked about, dude. Super stoked about. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where all I'm going to get to race it next year because things are fucking stacking up, dude. Stacking up. Mama Tried is the March 4th through the 5th, March 4th, 5th, and 6th next year, right? The Mint is March 9th through the 13th, which is the next weekend. 
all of that is at the same time as fucking bike week in Daytona. Now, I told my family I wasn't going to go to Daytona again because my kid's birthday is normally that week, that first week, right? But that was before we started building a tank shift race bike. So I'm going to have to figure some shit out, right? Maybe I'll just fly home, see the kid, fly back to Daytona. I don't know. Maybe I'll go to Mama Tried, then drive to Daytona, and then fly back and see the kid, fly back to Daytona. My van's in pieces right now. Literally, the motor is apart. Uh, I got pretty ambitious and was going to put together the bottom end and realize, like, I, I know people that can help me do this and ensure at least a little more than me that it goes together right before I do all the other work. Because if I put it all together and get it back in the van and then it and then I, I didn't do something right, I'm not going to have time this spring to, like, do it again, like, just not a possibility so i'm calling on some friends chaz you're the you're the friend i'm telling you right now we've already gone over this so hopefully we can get that buttoned up before christmas because there's a lot like once i get the motor together i still gotta figure out how all this fucking transmission linkage and shifter shit's gonna go together because that's the that's that's the transportation to move the race bike around uh so march is packed right so you got February, March, April. What's in April? April, you got the motherfucking Texas Fandango, April 1st through the 3rd. Gillespie County Fairgrounds in Fredericksburg, Texas. The oldest fairgrounds in Texas. Big-ass swap meet, big-ass circle track, and just the most bitching roads around Texas. It's so rad. So then... That's that's the first weekend in April. Second weekend in April, you got the Mezcal Moto Rally, where I'm going to race from Austin, Texas, to Oaxaca, Mexico. <sighs> that's going to be fucking sweet. March, April, May. May is the Tennessee Motorcycle Music Revival, May 9th through the 22nd. March, April, May, June. Oh, shit. There's... There's a lot going on in June, too. All right, we're going to stop at May. I could go on all day deciding, trying to figure out what the fuck I'm going to do next year. Um, I am going to, I got the fucking Pan America back. Yeah, the Pan America showed back up this week and it fucking works, dude. I need some new, I need some fresh meat on the, on the back wheel. I just didn't want to go with that same tire. The anarchy that I've been through, like three of them now or two of them. I haven't even hit 7,000 miles yet, and I need. Now, the first tire I took off early, but I've I've smoked two anarchy wilds without going over 7,000 miles. So that's a bit much. Uh, me and Patrick from JP Cycles were talking about some tire that, uh, yeah. Anyways, got to get that fixed up. And I, and I, uh, not going to be able to take it on a trip December, January. I'm going to be hunting in January. But I'm thinking the beginning of February, I'm going to get out, you know, because that's a great time to ride motorcycles across the country. It's February. Um, and maybe do the Colorado BDR, not the Colorado, fuck, that'd be impossible. The California BDR or maybe the Nevada one. Not just not sure yet. Or maybe I just might go to Big Bend and ride around Big Bend. I don't know. We'll see. 
But that's going to have to happen soon. And I'm pretty stoked about that. Got that bike back. Um, tomorrow, today, today will be, I don't know, the third, <clears throat> the third Wednesday of riding dirt bikes since I started in Dayton, Ohio last week or last month. Dude, I'm, I'm just like, I'm in. It's like, it's got me. And I really enjoy it. Uh, riding at this place called Twin Hills. They got an eight-mile single, single track loop. <clears throat> you know, it's pretty technical. It's not as technical as the hellhole in Dayton, Ohio, where the DDR guys ride. But it's good, and it's challenging, and it, you know... You're feeling you're feeling it after one loop, so that's rad. Going to be riding the XT500 today, taking my Sportster out there. I think Carlos is going to meet me. We got we broke my or I broke my clutch cable last week, so he got another one. We'll ride that this week. Um, I did. I found so when I was in Dayton, Zach Hamilton let me borrow or ride his X. What is it? XC. F W 350 KTM. I know it's crazy. There's so many. It's like <clears throat> I was thinking about this the other day when I was trying to figure out all these letters and numbers. And I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with KTM? And then I started thinking, like, fucking Harleys do the same shit. FLHTC. You know, like there's there's just numbers. And I I just didn't know them, right? So I'm like looking for the wrong bike, couldn't find it. Actually, I found it in a couple places. Then I realized it was the wrong bike. So then I start looking for the exact bike that I rode up there, which I really enjoyed. <clears throat> and, dude, I think I found the last one in Texas in Lubbock. And they fucking won a lot of money for it. It's like they know it's the last one in Texas or some shit. Um, but I sent them a $500 deposit. I'm like, dude, I'm coming. On the way back from the Mint, we'll talk logistics after that. Uh, but... Take take my money. I want. I'm getting a new dirt bike because I want to start riding every fucking week. Um, as you can tell, I'm jacked about it. We'll see how that goes throughout the summer. But fuck, <laughs> nobody talked me out of it. I gave you guys the chance last week. Nobody talked me out of it, so I pulled the fucking trigger. It's a 350 XCF. W, I think. Damn. So I don't know. I don't have it in front of me either. But <clears throat> if anybody knows what I'm talking about, uh, yeah. Well, good for you. Congratulations. Um, so what else? What else we got? What else we got? We got we got we got a show. Who's it with Alex Jones? I just like lost my track train of thought. I went to rambling about dirt bikes, dude. I'm telling you. Just like I talked about racing being a drug. Um, oh, so speaking of Dayton Dirt Riders in Dayton, Ohio, I did a podcast with Carl and Rick from Cycle Electric, and it was awesome. It was, I talked about it last week. It was a very difficult podcast. Uh, I think I figured out why, and I'll tell you more about that next week when I release that podcast. But I also recorded one with just Nick last night and talked about his racing career uh, riding enduros and hard enduros and balancing work with play and or work with racing. And it was a good one. It was a good one. So that's coming. That's coming. Uh, 
But right now, what you need to do is you need to go to mcshoptees.com and sign up now, dude. Sign up at mcshoptees.com. It's the T-shirt of the month club where we feature different motorcycle shops every single month. Design a one-off tee that you can only get through MC Shop Tees. Each shirt comes with a postcard that tells you about the shop, where they're located, what they specialize in, and how you can get a hold of them. Super rad deal. This month's featured shop is Spoken Dagger at a Buffalo, New York. That's right. Artwork by Gorgeous George. It's a really fucking killer shirt. They started hitting the mailboxes. Uh, dude, it's really sick. Really fucking sick. Everybody seems stoked. I'm stoked. And uh, it's a rad thing. <clears throat> we... Uh, we got some pictures of them last month. Liam went up there, took some rad shots. We presented them with a sweet gift bag from Lowbrow Customs. And uh, that's thanks to, all, thanks to all you supporters, man, that we're able to like. And I'm going to send them a bunch of fucking T-shirts. So if if you're not signed up or you missed that shirt, you got to go to Buffalo. You can't buy them online, but if you go visit Spoken Dagger and they have any left, you can buy one of those shirts. Other than that, they're gone forever. Now, next month's featured shop is Burke's V-Twins. That's right. Burke's V-Twins out of, like, Triverton, Rhode Island or something? Fuck. I uh, I just got the artwork in from Richard. Uh, you remember a company called VNM? Yeah, that's right. Triverton, Tiverton, Rhode Island. He did some badass artwork. That shirt's going to be out next month, dude. These guys are rad up there in Rhode Island. And uh, the only way you're going to get their shirt is if you sign up before the month is over. Only way I can guarantee it. So go to mcshoptees.com, <clears throat> sign up. We got men's tees, women's tees, kids' tees. Dude, you can buy it as a gift. You can sign up month to month. You can cancel whenever as long as you're like, you know, not canceling immediately, which I've seen some people do recently. Uh, whatever, you know, I don't stop you. But, dude, check it out. It's a cool thing. Now, I've also got some rad shit to give away. And since since tomorrow's Thanksgiving, I'm going to give something away today. I'm not prepared at the moment, so it'll be at the end of the show. But, Dude, I've got some rad shit. Go to DangerDanceTalkShop.com and sign up on the Patreon link. Five bucks a month gets you entered to win a bunch of badass shit. That's right. All you do, You're donating to the show, right? This isn't a raffle. Let me stress that. It's not a raffle. Although, the names I get for the giveaway are from the people that donate five bucks a month. I don't know how all the logistics work. i just seen some people getting smoked. Uh, because of PayPal lately. Luckily, mine's not through PayPal, and Patreon is aware that I'm doing a raffle. Uh, they just make sure that I'm not wording it that way on their platform. So you hear about it here, right? It's not a raffle. It's a giveaway. Uh, but I got a motor, a shovelhead motor built by Boston Billy at a B&B Racing in Metairie, Louisiana. A fresh fucking shovelhead. Yeah, that's right. We're giving that away. Not today. Not today. I want to save that a little bit longer. Uh, I've got a bitchin' danger zone sign. That's right. A sign. A danger zone sign that my buddy tattooed out. He's actually on his way here. Alan Wayne Nichols. Uh, he built it out of wood. 
leather, and metal. It's fucking bitching, dude. It says the danger zone. It's got a, a metal skull, uh, Maltese cross. It's fucking sick, dude. Somebody's going to win that shit. Uh, and if you do not sign up before the end of this month, you will not have a chance of winning this motor or this fucking badass sign. Now, what I'm going to give away today... Oh, wait. And then I also have a tank by Chemical Candy Customs. Lowbrow Customs, frisco Sporty Tank, painted by Chemical Candy. Randy, somebody's going to win that shit, dude. Fuck. I got some badass shit to give away next month, so... Go sign up now, Patreon link, five bucks a month. If you put five bucks in, you get one entry next month. If you put in 20, you get four. If you put in 100, you get 20. It's that simple. So go sign up, dude. That's what keeps me on the road. That's what keeps me buying dirt bikes and building race bikes and uh, traveling the country, bringing you great content or so-so content. I'm not going to call it great, but it sure is great fun. And I hope that you enjoy it, and I hope that it gets you by your day. So, without further ado, did I cover everything? Yeah. Without further ado, here's Alex Jones. It's at the dealership right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, I should be picking it up this week. Yeah. I already blew out the suspension front and back on it. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, the first time I saw one was at the dealership in Santa Fe. Um, I was there looking for a KTM or something. And they had one on the, the showroom, and they said, yeah, this is the CEO's bike. Oh, so he yeah. has a house in Santa Fe, and he'll fly in, and then they'll pull it out and prep it for him, and he'll go riding. The CEO of Harley? Yeah, has apparently he has. bike there? Yeah. That's cool. Fucking, what are you doing in Santa Fe? Was that on the trip across? Uh, no, I used to live out there, so I, I still go out there and, you know, just go play in the mountains fucking and that kind of beautiful. stuff. beautiful. I love it out there. We got a spot in Red River. and Oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck. We were up there for three months out of the year, probably. Yeah. Like, now that I've got my shit figured out, I'm like, dude, we're just staying here all fucking summer while it's hot. Now I say that. My family stays there. I still, I go out and travel all the time. So I, Yeah, we got a little place in Mora Valley. Uh, so Mora is just like kind of south of Red River, yeah. uh, north of Vegas. Mora's fucking beautiful. Yeah. That's like where the forest hasn't been fucking killing, it hasn't been killed by the beetles down there yet. Yeah, it's really nice. Just fucking so good and uh i ran out of time i ran out of daylight one time but there's a road that runs from angel fire down to mora that you're like down to cleveland area that's uh unpaved you can drive i know i yeah. tried to do it actually i didn't try it. i was doing it on my pan america yeah but i there's so many trails over there yeah i looked at my map and i'm like fuck i haven't even gotten like i wasn't even close to being to mora at that no. point so you got the what is it there's the slope to slope that goes from Angel Fire to, uh, what's that other slope down there? Sipapu? Sipapu, yeah, it's just north of Mora. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the one, right? Yeah, so they have a little ski valley there or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's that... super cheap compared to... Oh, most... yeah. 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 So I've never actually skied there. I've skied at a Taos Angel Fire in Red River, but mm -hmm. never Sipapu. I haven't either. I know my family has, but I haven't made it yet. But, man, I, I love skiing Taos. That's... Dude, I haven't been on Taos and... I don't know. So now that we've been in Red River, really since I shattered my leg about 10 years ago, I don't even snowboard hardly anymore. Mm. I go up there in the summertime. I'm going up there in a couple weeks just to pick up my side-by-side -side and go to Vegas with it. We awesome. probably won't even go up there this winter. Yeah. I'm hoping to make it up there. Um, we just got some TW200s there in Santa Fe, and the National Forest uh, on the west side of town is just right around the corner. Yeah. So, man, those are fun little bikes. 
Yeah, I haven't ridden one of those. Those are like, it's I got like, an XT500 in here, a 77. Yeah. And that's what I ride up there a lot too. And I can, the TW200 is just like the easiest bike in the it's world. It's like a to little ride. tractor motor. It's like, right? yeah. And it has like a granny gear so you can like touch the ground with both your feet if you're like, you know, going over this rough stuff. Because uh -huh. like, for years I had a BMW 800GS and it's just tall and heavy and that Dude, shit sucks so to pick up. Like, heavy. yeah. Yeah. I, when I, so I went to California and rode the BMWs uh, last December. I actually rode that out there in the freezing cold. Oof, and, yeah. uh, but I was, you know, they gave me an option of what bike I wanted to ride. And I was leaning towards one of those smaller bikes. And then mm -hmm. I was like, oh, fuck it. I want the biggest, baddest, brand newest bike you got. So I got the 1250. Mm -hmm. But then after riding with somebody else on one of those bikes, when that bike falls over, it's like my Sportster. It's laying flat on the ground. When the GS falls over, it lands on the head, and it's like, it's already halfway picked up. I know. That's it's the thing so about this one. I know. Too. I know. Yeah. That's a funny thing with, like, the boxer motor sticking out. It just kind of, like, like lays on its side. It's and, got yeah. so many benefits that you just wouldn't think about until yeah. you ride one around. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, this, you know, they were thinking, mm -hmm. you know. But you had, so you had an 800. Yeah. See, and I would have thought I would have liked that smaller, more nimble bike more, but... As long as you're going that big, you might as well just either go one way or the other. You yeah. know, it's, it was kind of like, you know, the, the master of none. Like, you might as well just get a 1250 at that point or just like the 310. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So now you just ride the 200s up there. Well, I'm in Santa Fe and I've, you know, been thinking about doing like another long trip. And the more I do it and like just the smaller bikes are more attractive to me. So I've like, I did like a, a trip um, when I was in my early 20s and I went to Guatemala and bought a uh, piece of shit KLR 650 and rode down to the bottom of Argentina nice. and then like halfway back up. And uh, just like when you're in some of those other countries, it gets harder to find like tires that size, you know, and chains and sprockets and all these stuff. For, even like, on a 650? Even on a 650. was everywhere in pieces. Even though, yeah, even though uh, like a 650 is like a bigger bike in, in some of these countries, you know, when they're, most people ride like a 150, 200. Less. Yeah, exactly. So, and plus like when you're by yourself, you know, like in the mud or sand, picking up big bikes just sucks. Well, in the KLR, it's it's the master of none. Yeah, you know, like it's, I mean, I'm calling it, it a big everything. bike, and it's not really, but yeah, <laughs> not very well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, so you went from you, so you bought it in Guatemala. Yeah, yeah, I did, and uh, yeah, it was an American bike. I don't know how it ended up there. It was a 1998, and it was like. The best bike within my budget, and yeah. so, but I end up replacing probably every part on that bike by the end of the trip. I mean, just like, yeah. How did you go past the Darien Gap? Um, I met some other motorcyclists along the way, and uh, there was a there's a couple of sailboats that like cater to motorcyclists, but it's like kind of pricey. You know, they have like you know big packages and stuff. Yeah, I found a pirate dude. He's like, I mean, he's like. It, it, he's. I've seen some cool shit where he takes people to like islands on the way across. Yeah, like, hey, sandblast oh, islands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, there's definitely like guys that do that on a regular basis. But I was on a budget, so I met a. You know, I rounded up a couple other motorcyclists I met, and we just went down to the docks and asked, you know, just like word of mouth, just asking for people. And we found like a Dutch guy that had an old 1950 steel sailboat. He hoisted the bikes up on deck, and we like lashed them to the mast. Half of us slept in hammocks and the other until like the storm came and the other half like slept inside in the galley and uh, we made it work. It was cheap. That's awesome. So <laughs> yeah. you just went down there and started asking at the docks. Yeah. 
Yeah, when we found that a guy. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's freaking awesome. And it worked out because I like I was like warned. I had heard horror stories about like guys that are like you know um, cut rate like the cheapest, but they'll like go out and get drunk at sea and they're just like you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know. But uh, this guy was like definitely, it was definitely a, a budget boat ride because he just like disappeared into the cabin with his girlfriend for like the four days it took to cross and then gave us a heading and me and the other guys had to take like three and four hour shifts, you know, 24 hours around the clock, like just uh, steering the boat. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's it. So where were the other guys from that you met? Uh, there was two Canadians, two guys that were riding together. And then there was a, a couple, an American couple, a guy and a girl wow. that were on the same bike. That's awesome. They were, oh, they were fucking doing two up, two up, two up. And, uh, yeah, the, man, all these were great people. Uh, and it's, it's like treacherous, like right around some of these places. Uh, um, you know, just like, I feel like you're a second class citizen on a motorcycle versus a car in some of these countries versus here where it's like recreation. Yeah. And the, the couple that was two up got hit by somebody that read a re- ran a red light in Argentina and that like ended their trip. And then one of the Canadians ended up crashing his bike and they got a new one, but then got his passport stolen and got robbed and stuff and just ended up hanging it up. So out of the five of us, only two of us made it down to Ushuaia. Did you continue together? Uh, kind of, we separated and then me and the Canadian guy that went, that had made it, you know, through the, through, met back up in Patagonia and rode down together. Wow. That was a great trip. Yeah. And how old were you when you did that? 24. I think. Wow, what spurs did you ride before that? Like, how much, what was your riding experience growing up? A little bit. I didn't really ride growing up, but, um, but yeah, I got my license and then I borrowed a bike when I was like 18 and like took off to Canada and like you've also like run, um, ridden like the, the West Coast and stuff like that. Wow. So did you grow up around here in the Metroplex? I grew up in East Texas. Oh, no shit. That's yeah. right. We were talking about that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going out there this weekend. Man, that's wild. Yeah, I, uh, I looked at doing it. I was actually gonna gonna pre-pandemic or right at the beginning of last year. There's a race. We're doing it again next year. Actually, the Mezcal Moto Rally starts in Austin and goes to Awaka. Mm. And I was gonna, you know, let that be my, you know, takeoff point, and then go south from there. And I was thinking instead of doing it all in one, I was gonna get my bike to Panama, mm-hmm. come home. I got a buddy down there leave the bike there, find some place to leave it, come back home for a little bit, then go back down there, get it shipped to Columbia. I don't know, I was just going to wing it, you know? Yeah, like, no, that yeah. was going to be the starting point. If you got the time, then just wing it, figure it out. Well, you know, I got the family here, you know, I got I to gotta take it in chunks, but I was going to do it. That uh-huh. was the plan, and now it's like, fuck, the traveling got kind of kicked in the butt last year. Yeah, yeah, I know it. Uh, so how long does it take to get to Oaxaca or how would you, how long do you like, so the race is three days, the race is, so it's like a, so they got it in sections. So like, we're going to be staying in the same hotels each night. Uh And from what I gather, I still got to have this guy on to like figure out all the details, but we start in Austin, we end in Saltillo the first night and then they have like a main route. And then along the ways, there's other things off the main route. And if you go to those places, take a photo at a taco stand or a statue or whatever, you get more points. Oh. And then whoever collects the most points when you get to Iwaka wins the Mezcal Moto Rally. So it's not like, a, you know, see who can go to Iwaka first. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I don't know, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. Sounds like a pretty cool trip. It does. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know any of the people. Like, none of the people involved with putting it on I've never met before. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I know, I mean, 
I guess I don't know a ton of people outside of, you know, the people that I ride choppers with. You know, I'm starting to dive into this new world now that I got this adventure bike and I've been riding more dirt. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just like riding anything. Mm -hmm. My chopper really got me into, I don't know, traveling and really experiencing the world on two wheels. And I just been going, going. We did Nepal a couple years ago. No way. Yeah, my friend's got a company called Motorcycle Sherpa and does tours over there. Mm-hmm. And that was my first experience doing a tour. My thought was, if I was going to do it, I'm going to go over there just like you and get a cheap bike, rent one, buy one or whatever, and just check it out. Mm-hmm. Going over there with him was totally different than that, and it was so awesome. Like, Not once did we worry about breaking a bike because there was a, a chase truck with bikes and parts and whatever yeah we knew where we were going each night we knew like the food like i didn't have to think about any of it so i really got to take in all the culture and like not pay attention to anything except for like just all the crazy shit around me the whole time so that kind of changed my perspective on like man if i'm gonna fly for 24 hours and be away from the family maybe this is a maybe this is how i could do this you know i could yeah i I can see why that would be enjoyable in a lot of ways. And plus, if you have like an allotted amount of time, like if you're there just with your own bike, if you break parts and have to wait on them or, you know, get stuck somewhere, then yeah, you know, it, it takes as long as it takes, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So how long did it take you to go from Guatemala to uh, Tierra del Fuego? Uh, that was about four months. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you took your time. Yeah. I definitely could have taken more time. But you can, it, it can be done quicker, you know. Oh, yeah, like yeah. I'm like trying to like balance like time with like budget, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was really cool. And then, did uh, you go see any like uh, sites while you were down there? Like anything off the beaten path that? Um, I did. I didn't get to see everything, but I did um, make it through Bolivia, and that was really neat. Um, visas, American or a visa for a U.S. person is a little bit pricey at the time. It was like 130 bucks or something, and then course i had to go through machu picchu yeah. and uh um, patagonia was just fabulous just riding through there um on the carretera austral just like this unpaved and gravel road just like all you know past these like gorgeous rivers and glaciers and all all sorts of cool stuff the video i've seen looks amazing yeah dude. wow so did you document that in any way or um i took some photos and put a few on instagram but yeah. uh <laughs> but you know um yeah I did. I did take some photos and stuff, but uh, some of it you just kind of have to be immersed in, you know, like... Oh, yeah. There was, like, some guys riding down there and, um, you know, just, like, uh, acquaintances, some some Canadian guys, and they had the BMW 1200s, and they were doing their dream trip, and they had the bikes all outfitted, you know, best of everything, had the GoPros, and their routine was just kind of, like, riding from, like, one Best Western to another, and then the evening time they would, like, go through and edit their GoPro footage, and... Uh, that just seems like you're, you're missing out on a lot of stuff, you know? Right? Yeah. What's crazy is how much footage I have. Because I don't ever, and like, I'm just like, all right, I got it here. I click the button. <laughs> you know, like, oh, maybe my kids will do something with it. Yeah. It's, I've actually been trying to get a, a, editor, uh, a video editing guy. He's got a lot of my stuff now. Mm-hmm. But I can't afford to pay him what it takes for him to put aside his real work to fuck with my shit. So yeah. <laughs> it'll, slowly it'll get done. Uh, yeah. I'm not great at you know, I like to soak it all up. You yeah, know? me too. And you can't do that when you're like looking through your screen to capture it all and share it. Uh, which because sometimes I feel bad because, you know, it's the listeners that support my podcast and my t-shirt company that make it possible for me to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I found is the best way to do it. 
is just sit down and talk with people and record it and share that, you know, talk mm-hmm. about the trips. And uh, so, so a couple weeks ago, somebody sent me a link about some dude breaking the motorcycle cannonball. And I'm like, wow, that's insane. And I read the article, interesting article, like Road and Track, I think was the... Yeah, Road and Track is one of the guys I talked to. And, uh, you know, the, yeah, they, it was a pretty inclusive article. There was a couple, you know... Uh, couple miscommunications in there but uh no yeah. way not not, not yeah. between you and a, a rider <laughs> yeah yeah and then of course like they have to like take the moral high ground because you know this is on public streets and so that you know like any like cannonball you know like uh, article you see is going to be like you know like we don't condone this you know absolutely yeah, yeah. i do yeah i, I, <laughs> I know i thought it was awesome that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well it's cool is like uh we started talking about it last year uh with a couple of the guests because that guy broke it on the car you know, mm-hmm. during the pandemic when everything was shut down. Yeah. He was just like, dude, there's no traffic. And I just zipped across the country. Yeah. I know. There was like several guys that did that during um, COVID times. And Uh-oh, we got guests. Hey, Brack, will you give us a minute? We're in here recording podcasts. What you need? We good? Holy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come and see you once we get done. That's my father-in-law. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so did you, and, and I don't remember, did you break the cannonball record itself, or did you break it for the motorcycle time? For the motorcycle. And okay. I'm pretty far off from, like, the, the ultimate record, but I did break the motorcycle record by over two hours. And, uh, man, the what the guys, you know, in the car are doing is, like, just incredible. But there's, like, other considerations when you're on a motorcycle. You know, like, you're, you're by yourself, so you don't have, like, two other guys in the car with you to help co-drive or spot or... Like any of these Make things. Make sure you don't fall asleep. Fall asleep. You're you're in the elements, you know. So you're dealing with, um, you know, the the temperature changes and and you know precipitation if there is any, of course, you know, which is different than a car. But um, but even just like stuff like what time of year to do it. Um, so, you know, the closer you are to uh, the summer solstice, the more daylight you have, you know, which is fantastic but man coming through oklahoma texas can you imagine doing that in the middle of summer wearing like protective gear you'll just like i've done it i know but i'm just saying like it's 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 tiring it's It's brutal brutal. so like um you know that's a consideration like when to do it also just because of the temperatures like and then so you know you don't want to be just like pouring sweat the whole time but at the same time you don't want to be too close to getting snowed on somewhere um yeah so that's why i kind of end up doing it in the fall um, so I could still wear <laughs> protective gear, gear yeah, and not yeah. just like completely be dehydrated, you know, coming through some of these places. Um, when did you set out? When did this mission become something you were like, all right, I'm going to do it? I've been thinking about it for a couple of years. I, I saw like a, one of the write-ups uh, about the, um, the Cannonball Run and kind of thought, oh, man, this is actually... Well, I mean, I knew of the Cannonball Run, but then I saw a write-up about the motorcycle record. And I was like, that's something that, you know, like I have experience doing, motorcycling. And I can actually afford, I don't think I can afford to... Compete with the cars. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. I mean, I, I know, like, you know, maybe it's a team effort, but uh, right now in my life, I'm not ready to, you know, buy some Mercedes AMG and outfit it with all the extra stuff, you know? So I thought it was, like, doable on a bike. Yeah. yeah. And also on the, on the write-ups um, from some of the other, like, record holders, I just, like, saw some, um, like, gaps in efficiency. You know, like, I saw some areas that probably could have been made more efficient. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel that way now after about the run I just did. But like, you know, like looking at like some of the previous guys, I was like, oh, OK, I think there's like some things that can be tweaked. And then now even I have 
more experience than before, but <laughs> I'm not too eager to go do it again because it, <laughs> it was fucking a beat down. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So the bike that you picked, it's a Yamaha. Yep. FJR 1300. 1300. Uh-huh. Is that, was that like you sought out that bike specifically or it just happened to show up at the right price and the right time? Or? Both. Like I was kind of like looking at the sport touring bikes and, you know, and so like each company has like their own, you know, the Honda, the Yamaha, the, the Cowie, and then BMW has one. And so like these bikes are attractive because, you know, they're a little bit bigger windshield. You got the panniers on the back so you can like throw a set of clothes in and a little bit of food. And it has a drive shaft, you know, so like maybe a little bit better um, durability for, you know, the long distance highway touring or whatever. Yeah, definitely don't uh, have to acknowledge anything, you know, like worry about anything. Yeah, there. yeah, the, the bikes are solid. So I kind of had in my mind that I like wanted to find one of these FJRs. Um, and then I saw one pop up on Craigslist for, for real cheap. It had high miles, but it was coming out of like a rental fleet in Arizona. Uh, there was a, an older guy there that, um, got COVID and like survived it, but just like became like really sick and couldn't continue on with this business. So he was like liquidating, you know, like a couple dozen bikes. Oh, wow. And so I was able to go out there and the bike definitely needed some work, but you know, I, I was pretty confident a lot of the stuff I could just do in the garage and save some money that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what'd you do to it once you got it? So, you know, just like bearings and brake pads and all the fluids and that kind of stuff. But other than that, it was, it was pretty solid. I mean, um, I mean, these modern machines are pretty incredible. You know, yeah. like I, didn't I mean, what's high mileage on one of those? So, like seventy-five thousand miles when I got it, or something. Oh yeah, it's golden. But, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's like a, a small replacement <laughs> Japanese engine. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's fine for forever. You know, so um, yeah, everything else is going to break first. Yeah, yeah. More so um, I got the bike, and then like you know, did like the maintenance stuff that that I thought might need to be done. And then started working on like all the, all the creature comforts and all the stuff, right? The cannonball run. So like what they call like the, um, the countermeasures, you know, so like the radar detector and the laser jammer, and then, you know, how to like, you know, bigger windshield, make it more comfortable. And some of these like other things like that. You do a gel seat or anything? I got a, um, a sheepskin to sit on. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Old school. Yeah. All right. Now, where did you start? Uh, the from in New York in Manhattan so okay. at the Red Ball garage and this is kind of like the traditional starting place um and like you can go either direction but the kind of the um the the starting in any places that are kind of like the official places for this unofficial record are a parking garage in Manhattan and then a hotel in Redondo Beach really and so these kind of became the established places um from what I can tell from back in the the 80s when um, some of the auto journalists and then enthusiasts were doing this as like a rally race. Um, and there was a lot of information about it, kind of interesting, uh, on a documentary called Apex. You can find it like on Amazon is where I found it, but it's about like one of the guys that was doing a record-breaking run in the early 2000s and then also kind of like highlight some of the modern history of the cannonball run. Oh, wow. That yeah. sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Apex. So you start in Manhattan. Now, like the, the cannonball run that you know, that I'm more familiar with now is the guys that do the old bikes across the country. And they explain to me that they go east to west because of the storms normally go west to east. So like, if there is a storm out there, you're gonna hit it head on and go through it Mm. instead of just get stuck with it, you know, going west to east. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, which I was like, that makes a lot of sense. So Mm -hmm. you went from there to Redondo Beach, trying to think. 
That's that's Southern California, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, like in LA, greater LA. So it's just kind of south of Hermosa Beach, like right there on the coast. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, real cool spot. So they have a little um, hotel there. Um, now, who do you we, check in with on this unofficial race? Like so that's like the thing. I don't. I'm trying to figure this all out for the first time. You yeah, know, yeah. Like, I. I didn't really ask for, for any help, and I'm just like trying to figure it out. But from what I've read, you know, you kind of like have to have some kind of proof. So yeah. I uh, was able to hire a notary um, on both sides in Manhattan and, and then LA um, to check my ID. To you know, I like had a, just, like a statement like typed up like I'm you know here with this VIN number motorcycle and all that stuff on this date this time exactly. And so I did that, and then I did screen grabs of my GPS every hour. Um, and so then just like kind of submitted that with like a little statement to like some of the journalists like I don't know what to do but I kind of thought that I've never done this before but I kind of thought that was like the best uh, way to do it. So you reached out to Road and Track and like submitted the information that you had compiled. Yeah, I was like, like hey, look, this my proof. is what I did. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, so that worked out. But you know, like my bike was here in Texas and so I feel like that was like another like little added complication of like not being like living in New York or LA already. So I'm like watching the weather for like 15 days out, trying to decide like when to pull the trigger because I have to get up to New York and then do the cannonball run with hopefully favorable weather, you know? So I decided to pull the trigger. I took off out of there. I found a, a shop in Brooklyn to like rent a little space and, you know, change the fluids and get the bike ready and all this stuff. And then got up the next day, did the cannonball run. What kind of shop was this? Uh, this is a, a motorcycle shop called um, Motogirl, and uh, they like have mechanics there, but then they also just have a place to space you can rent. Rent, and I found like I just searched it and found a like a place with a day rate. Those are starting to pop up more. Yeah, you know, like those. Um, yeah, like commercial. What am I trying to say? Like motorcycle hubs where there's yeah there's space there's tools that you can rent. In places like that where it's like not really feasible to have a garage or a shop, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, oh, what am I trying to call it? Yeah, cool. So you found one. Yeah, and again, it's just like the whole thing of being on a budget. Like if I had to, I would just found like an O'Reilly's parking lot to change my oil and stuff. But it was nice like having a shop where they could, you know, Absolutely. Help you know, out just in this. case you did run into any serious complications on the way there that, you know, could have been easily fixed with a motorcycle shop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So then, you know, I prepped and got ready. And then, like, uh, and then even just, like, you know, there's all these, like, little things that you don't anticipate. So, like, the starting place is at a parking garage. So I thought, oh, I'll just get in town the night before. I'll get a hotel nearby. I'll keep my bike in the parking garage, and I'll walk down in the morning. And I get there, and they're like, no motorcycles. I was like, oh, wait, are you at serious? The parking garage? Yeah, I was like, I can't park here. And they're like, no, you can't park here. And so, I, you know, I tried what I could. Like, hey, is there a manager? I'm trying to do this thing called a cannonball run. They're like, no. Absolutely they're not. Like, no way. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, I just want to pay for one spot. I'll pay the car rate just like a car would. I don't see how this is any different. But uh, I think it's just like a corporately owned garage. And they have this, like, rule. So then I went to the next closest one. And then the next closest one, I'm calling around. And nobody would park motorcycles there in the area of Manhattan that I was in. So I just had to, like find street parking and then just log everything to the hotel. But oh, like, my, I did and not then leave it on the street the night. Yeah. Before. It definitely made me nervous. I was like, don't tell me that like, <laughs> I'm going to come back and like my wheels are gone and this is like why I can't do it. You know, dude. So what did you go through any like sleep training or regiments prior to like 
leading up to it? No, not really. No. I mean, I, I like I, I stayed away from caffeine and booze um, leading up to it just so that I could be like more naive to caffeine yep. and then just like, um, uh, you know, like healthier and like ready to go and just try try and take care of myself that way. But I didn't really do like any sleep training. I just kind of. So my buddy that would do the stand, stampede races months before the race, he would just or maybe three months. I can't remember what it was, but he would just stop sleeping on the weekends. And he would quit drinking coffee. That way, the caffeine really worked like you did. But yeah, he would just go whole, he would just start going the weekends without sleeping. Stop sleeping <laughs> on the weekends. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. <laughs> oh. But yeah, so no sleep training. You were just going to sleep every night. Uh, mm-hmm. But I guess you're, I mean, you're doing it really fast. You did, what was the time? Uh, just under 33 hours. 33. That's okay. still a long time to, you know. Yeah, be, to be, be mentally engaged and, you know, yeah. like the Have whole time. Your life at your hands. Yeah. The whole time, I mean, you're like worried about traveling and stuff, but you're also kind of like just like evaluating all these like radar detector hits that you get and stuff like that. So you're always like kind of like engaged. mentally engaged. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not, not like me on my chopper where I can like fall asleep and yeah, come right. to. <laughs> yeah. So how was the travel? Like, were you splitting lanes? I mean, were you riding on the shoulder? Like, how aggressively were you taking? The cities that you went through, like kind of somewhere in between. I'm like, I'm definitely having to be aggressive where I needed to, but you know, since I have a day and a half of this, I'm also just like trying to make sure that somebody doesn't call the cops on me or I don't get in a road rage situation. You know, piss off the wrong person and now they're like chasing you down the highway or whatever. So I was like trying to find a balance as far as like, you know, passing cars when I needed to. You know, not always like legally or just like wherever a bike can fit versus like the you know just like the endurance aspect of it and because it was tough it's so frustrating when you get out there and those like 18 wheelers are racing at 65 miles an hour you know just like lined up two or three wide oh my god it takes forever sometimes to get around them oh man yeah when you're on a mission i can imagine like not only other people's road rage but like conquering your inner demons yeah. you know, just, just calm down it's yeah. like yep. getting mad isn't going to help the situation yep <laughs> oh man what was the what was the hardest city to get through that you went through um, I want to say that there was a lot of traffic or construction in Indianapolis or I think St. Louis was pretty busy. Did I go through St. Louis? Yeah. I went through Memphis. Um, I guess but, time of day played a lot. But it was time of day. By the time I got like through Oklahoma and some of these other places, like it was kind of middle of the night. So like no worries. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know that you can go across the nation without like just hitting construction zones. You know, there's like everywhere, everywhere on the, some of these interstates. Yeah, especially on the inside of the country. Well, I mean, all over the country, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, St. Louis. So, what time did you hit? Did you hit any cities like at rush hour, or were you able to like be in between? Pretty much in between. Um, I, I think Los Angeles is like maybe the busiest for traffic or whatever. Really? And I tried to time it right because that's the thing. Like you're, you're, you have, you know, the two of the biggest cities in the country where you're like trying to time, like which one do you want to deal with traffic at? You know, as far as like, you know, I'm like doing bar napkin math as far as how long I like, I want this, what, what my goal time is, you know, and then just yeah. like, where am I going to deal with traffic? Is it New York or LA? So I got into LA, like, I think it was like around like 11 uh, AM or something like that, but still just, Lots of traffic. And really? at one point, yeah, at one point there was a, a crash um, that had traffic backed up for miles. And so I just had to ride down the shoulder, you know. No shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would think you'd want to deal with that while you're fresh. You yeah, know? I know. What, so what time did you leave? Uh, like a little after 6 a.m. Okay. Yeah. So, so you, did you get a good night's sleep with your bike on the curb? Uh, average. I don't know. I, I did sleep. I mean, I, I did sleep some, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't ideal. And then, so, you know, I wanted to leave out of New York early enough to where I didn't have to, like, um, have too much traffic. But it, the earlier that I leave the earlier I'm going to be in L.A. and closer to that, like, 8, 8 a.m. rush hour, you know? So I was, like, trying to find that balance. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, fucking gnarly, man. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, of course, like, riding a motorcycle that long, you know, for that, like, really sucks. And I thought, like, the planning was my, way more fun. You know, just, like, like thinking about the logistics and all the planning, like, that's, like, for me, that's, like, the, the fun part of a lot of these, like, trips and stuff. Well, that's cool, I mean, because the process... You got to enjoy the process, you know, like mm -hmm. that leads me to believe that you, you're going to do more of these things. <laughs> Have you done anything like this before, prior to now? Like any kind of competition uh, on a bike of, no. of any kind? No, no not really. No, no racing, nothing like that. Um, I've done some car stuff. I did um, uh, instruction uh, like for track days um, for, for several years. Okay. So, you know, even like down here at Crescent and all over yeah. Texas and stuff like that. And that was a lot of fun. And that definitely like helps with... There's a lot, of, a lot of transferable skills between that with cars and motorcycles. And then there's a lot of like transferable like ideas or skills just in sports in general. You know, like transfer of motion and these kinds of things. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it seems like none of that's really... I mean, yeah, I guess some of it. But this is like more endurance and... Yeah, the logistics seem like the bigger... For sure. Bigger, I mean, like... It doesn't take that much skill to ride fast on the interstate, you know? Like, yeah. you're just going in a straight line most of this time. It's the endurance. Yeah. yeah. So did you ever, was there ever a point where you're like, oh shit, this is not going the way I, I had planned. We got to come up with a new plan or? There, it came pretty close to that. Like the, the closer I got, the more I was concerned about my rear tire. And I, I think maybe I'd just like been chewed up a little bit more on like some of these like construction zones areas. Did, or, you, did you freshen up the rear tire in New York, or did you leave no, Texas? No, I should have. I was being cheap. I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> like, like I was, like, kicking myself. Like, when I, when I was, like, there's a chance I may just have to call it early. Like, if I'm seeing, like, you know, like... Uh, yeah, the wires or wires, getting your fender going Yeah, around. I'm going to have to call it. And I was, like, you know, getting so frustrated. Like, why didn't I just spend a couple hundred bucks and get a tire? But, oh. um, yeah, I went through more rear tire than I was anticipating. And I think maybe it was just, like, getting, you know, the tire getting chewed up. And also, I wonder if, like it being so windy had something to do with it. Cause it was like a oh. windy fall day across entire nation. So I'm like kind of like getting rocked back and forth, you know, kind of like yeah, that, and whole... that bike's picking up all the wind. Yeah. There's no, it's not like my chopper where it blows through most of it. Yeah. So, I mean, there was the last several fuel stops or last couple of fuel stops. I was definitely just like checking my rear tire and like mentally prepared to call it if I needed to. Wow. <laughs> wow. So how many gallons does the bike hold? So the stock fuel tank has like 6.8 or 7 or something like that, like 6.7, 6.8, something like that. Some of it's in reserve, so you kind of have to like go deep into your reserve to like um, get that extra gallon, which can be a little bit nerve-wracking if you don't want to run out of fuel like while you're trying to set a record. Um, and then the auxiliary fuel tank holds like 7 gallons. Um, and I was hoping for more, but this is just like... This is what I got. I was like working with the mechanics and they thought this was the best, the best that they could do or whatever. So but how many miles you get in a gallon with that thing? Let's see. I could, I could get, this bike will actually get like 30 miles per gallon going 100 miles an hour. 
Whoa. So which is pretty impressive. So I could do, um, I think my range was like 420 miles or something like that, going 100 miles an hour. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, most bikes, once you get past 75, 80 miles an hour, that that fuel economy just starts tanking. And there was definitely like diminishing returns the faster I went. So, I mean, there was definitely like stretches of road where I could have gone faster, but you just like, you know, most motorcycles aren't aerodynamic. You just like start, you know, and plus I was getting up there in my rev range at the top of my gear. So between that and aerodynamics, I was just like sucking down the fuel like crazy, like, you know. With the wind too? With the wind. Wow. So, so did you plan out your gas stops ahead of time? No, um, I wasn't really able to do that just because of the variables with, traffic conditions and wind and all these other things, you know, I'm just kind of like doing it in real time, trying to find the nearest place. <laughs> <laughs> was there any close calls there? Uh, well, I mean, like I definitely knew. Did, that I mean, I, did you even have a gauge on your reserve, the big reserve, or did you use so, that first? Yeah. So that's actually set up to be gravity fed because I didn't want the complications of like an electric fuel pump or anything oh, like you that. Did? There's no pump on there. Nope. So it's gravity fed. And I open that up and it drains into the main tank. And then when I see the fuel gauge start to come down, then I know that the auxiliary is empty. And then I'm into the fuel that I have left is like what's in the tank. Uh, so that's what I was doing. And for the most part, I could like, you know, I was like a little bit conservative as, as far as like how far I went into my reserve. But when I got into LA, I was just, I was, I knew that I was just like almost out of fuel. I was like on fumes and, uh, I knew that I had the time to stop, but I'm also like, you know, competitive at this point and didn't want to take the extra yeah. 10 minutes to like get a couple like, you know, gallons of fuel. So I just like continued on and made it into the hotel at Redondo Beach. But then after like on it was reserve. all, yeah, after it was all said and done, I went to start the bike and I wouldn't start on the kickstand. I had to stand it up. That's how little fuel was in the tank. Oh, so I just barely made it in. What a kick in the dick that have been. <laughs> I know. Run out of gas at the or, very or end. Or have to push the bike in. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So now when you get there, did you have like the notary on fucking speed dial? Did you call her up an hour ahead of time? Or? So I, I talked to him ahead of time. I had a couple of friends there. Um, waiting on me to, you know, like celebrate, you know, when I got there. Hell and yeah. And so they were actually there with the notary and kind of coordinating, like, you know, having her there. Um, so then I parked the bike and I'm thinking, perfect, I'm going to park this bike here in the hotel parking lot. I'm going to go have several beers. We're going to have a great time. I'll never have to ride this thing again because I was so <laughs> sick of looking at it. I was so sore of this bike. Yeah. And I get there, I was like, you know, kind of walk in and of course, like, I'm like, you know, I look like a homeless person and, you know, smell like a mule. And I'm like, hey, do you all have a bar here? And like, oh, it doesn't open until this evening. And uh, that was kind of it. And I was like you know, talking to the front desk staff. Was was you, like, were your buddies there? Yeah, my buddies were there. I was talking to the, the, the front desk uh, staff. I'm like, hey, you know, the, the cannonball? Like, uh, I just broke the motorcycle record. And they're like, oh, that's neat. I was like, okay. I thought maybe like, you know, <laughs> there'd be a little bit more fanfare or something, but uh, kind of like stood around with my hands in my pocket for about five minutes. I was like, well, I guess let's get out of here. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. Nothing to do. <laughs> so what's, in the, I guess you got there in the afternoon, huh? Like Yeah, like around like lunchtime or so. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Did you, were your buddies from Texas, they fly out there or what? Mm -hmm. That's yep. awesome. Yeah, they flew out there and I thought for sure I would just like be ready to, to take a shower and crash. But I think I was just like still hyped up from it. Dude, so you made it. Like, yeah. I mean, that had to have been like a serious second win. You yeah. Know? Yeah. How stoked were they to see you? Oh, man. It was great. Yeah. They were, it was such a great time having them there. I mean, that had to energize you too. You know, like at least sharing that victory with somebody else instead of trying to explain to the notary how excited you are to see you. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. So were they keeping track with you? Were you like, 
talking to them on the phone at all? Or yeah, I was able to call in and talk to them on the phone. I have uh, you know, I just like a Bluetooth headset in my in my helmet, and yeah. so um, and that definitely helped too. Just being able to like call and talk to somebody. Absolutely. You, you know, it's like far as like you know, keeping motivation to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you guys are there, right? Okay. Yeah, right. All right, let's keep going. I'm not going to turn south and go to Texas halfway through. <laughs> oh, sick, man. That That is rad. So he had the auxiliary fuel tank. Now, I read in the, uh, in the, in the article you had, what, a fucking catheter going? Yeah, well, there was a little bit of miscommunication with, like, the journalist. I was, like, trying to explain. Uh, he just, like, wasn't hearing me. So it's a condom catheter that you can like buy at like some pharmacies, like the mm-hmm. home health stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the thing that like. Oh yeah, you didn't you didn't shove it up in you before no, you took it. No, God off? no. Like I'm not that dedicated. No, no, this I, is, no I, I gathered yeah. that from the article. I know it sounds a little crazy. Like I I was like, I shouldn't have even said anything because I'm gonna sound like the remember the the crazy astronaut lady that like you know there was a like wore a diaper and drove to Florida. No, I was no. like, but it's like the thing is like on the not only am I trying to be like efficient with like you know like how often I stop. But I've got like all these electronics loaded up on my on my bike, and I'm there by myself at these gas stations. So like, it, if I were to like undo everything, throw it in my tank bag, get all my valuables, go inside us, you know, or even like turn my eye to my um, turn my back to the bike. Hey, without any valuables, I have pissed right next to the pump while I'm filling up. Yeah, and that's probably what I should have done. But it wasn't that uncomfortable to like, you know, like just like have it streaming out my pant leg or whatever. Is that what it was doing? It was just running down the leg? Yeah, dude, I just run a tube out the, uh, next to my boot. <laughs> yeah, no need to keep that shit with you. No, no, I'm like, oh. a, yeah. I'm just, yeah. So, like, anyway, that was, like, the thing. It's, like, I know I have to have, like, water and food and, like, a way to pee because I don't have, like, a team or, like, anybody to keep an eye on my stuff. Yeah. It's just me, so... Yeah, so what'd you do? Yeah, I'm sure you had like a fucking camelback on the tank yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, I did. And then had like some more water in the panniers and stuff like that. But uh, I don't know if it was like the caffeine or if I was just like so like focused, but I only, I didn't even drink that much water. I ate one protein bar and that was it. Oh, it's easy to not drink water. Yeah. I do this a lot. Well, I know. And I, I know have to it, like make my, like, I got to work, now I ride a lot. So, like, now whenever I get gas and I'm on the road, I make it a point to drink a bottle of water. Cause I'll go without eating and drinking for hours and not realize it cause you're just so in that zone. Yeah. I can definitely do the same. But, like, part of the planning was trying to, like, have a, a you know, a plan in place so that I could stay hydrated. Oh, because, absolutely. You know, like, that's yeah. like a big, you know, part of like staying, like, uh, alert. Mentally alert, you know, it's yeah. like staying hydrated. Yeah, absolutely. So, what'd you eat? Like fucking granola bars? Yeah, just like a protein bar. Yeah. Yeah. Did you even eat much? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. A little bit of beef jerky, but yeah, like hunger was definitely like that. Can wait. That that can yeah. wait. That was well, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you were more worried about that beer when you finally got. Yeah. There. Right. <laughs> Oh my God! What a bit disappointment! I like the last like five hours. I was thinking about it. Like I uh, had you know like had this daydream in mind already. I'll just go into the oh, nearest like there bar. There's gonna be a fucking parade waiting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just like walk into the nearest like saloon, you know, with like my motorcycle gear and just like get a, a beer and then you know like oh I've done this accomplishment. Yeah. You know, it was like really anticlimactic. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, not everybody gets it. You know, that's all yeah. there is to it. I mean, it's it's not you know this is like. Of course, I'm interested in it, but I'm of course I'm like way more interested in it than anybody else because it's like my like pet project. I don't but know. it was, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, no, you you obviously are more interested than anybody else because you just did it, you know. Yeah. Like, back to the cavern. So I had some friends, and they did like a. 
they were talking shit to each other on the internet about who could ride a thousand miles quicker, blah. So mm. they ended up just racing a thousand miles. Mm. And the dude who won, he had the fucking catheter going. He was just like, didn't stop for anything. Yeah. He was on a fucking giant rigid chopper, just. <laughs> I think the other guy was on a gold wing or something. Well, I mean, like, I read about this, like, trick online. As, uh, it's like an old school endurance motorcyclist trick. So I don't know. I guess other people have done it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely mm-hmm. not a first. Mm-hmm. People, I mean, people have been doing the cannonball f- since the early 1900s. Like, I'm trying to think. The first one was, like, in the teens. I in think. the teens. Cannonball Baker did yeah, it on a motorcycle. Baker. He was the first one. The cannonball. Yeah. Went across country on a, on a motorcycle and... I don't remember like what it what his time was. I mean, it's like stated there on Wikipedia, but it was like you know days. It was, and, <laughs> yeah. well, I think it was like fifty two hours or something. No, I yeah. think it was like multiple days, was right? It, I mean, that's two and a half days. That's true. Yeah, I remember seeing it and being shocked, like holy fuck! You know, but, like, I mean, like now we have like a highway system and like I know. modern bikes. That's what you I was going to say. Is like <laughs> back then that is insane. Yeah, dude. you know, like they did it on railroad track. I had this one guy. Actually, I haven't even done a podcast with his name, Victor. He did, I don't know exactly what he did, but I'm pretty sure he crossed the country on like a fucking 24JD on railroad tracks. Really? Yeah, just because that's how they used to do it. Because the railroad tracks were like the better than the fucking road systems. And when you get over 30 miles an hour or 35 or whatever, there's a magic number where that it just flattens out. You know, oh, so not, like the suspension like kind of levels out as yeah, far as like riding those on cross the top beams? of those yeah. those cross beams. That's cool. And then like there's also I remember reading about a guy that had a Yamaha FJR similar to mine and did like the the tip of Florida to up to Dead Horse Alaska in an insane amount of time. You know, like there's oh. some there's some tough dudes out dude, there. Dude, I met a guy. This dude, he's like, uh, people have heard me talk about this so many times, but I met him in in Wyoming. He was on his Ultra Classic or something. Mm-hmm. And he has a house, a boat, and a truck in the Florida Keys. And he has a house, a boat, and a truck in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And he's retired, and he just rides back and forth. Really? the fucking winters down in Florida and the summers <laughs> in Alaska. and just goes a different way on his bagger each time. He's like, sometimes I get there and I'm only there for like four days. And I load up and have to start going back to Florida. That's cool, man. That's like, so cool. Dude, what That's a, a sick-ass yeah. retirement yeah. plan, dude. That's a life, man. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, people do it. You know, they used to, you know, my friends I was telling you about used to do the stampede race where they'd race coast to coast on rigid choppers, you know. There was, like, a couple of, I mean, I wouldn't, rules. It was, like, stip- like, hey, look, this year we're doing it rigid choppers. The tanks have got to be this big, you know. Start here in there. Or... The gas tank can only be so big, or the CC, you know, like. So, so each year there's like a different strategy or a different bike, or just like, to, just it, to it change it, it up, yeah, yeah, just to make it, you know, a new experience each yeah. time, you know. Mm-hmm. Which I thought, how many times did you stop for gas? Oh man, uh, I think it came out to seven. Seven stops. Really? Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I would have loved to have done less. I just uh, needed more fuel. I hope. I mean, I I really hope nobody breaks this record because then I'll feel like compelled to like do it again. You know, <laughs> like oh man, I it was a beatdown. I'm not I looking for. I think there's somebody listening right now that's like challenge accepted. Uh, I'm sure. 
So like, you know, I told you I went up to New York and then did this and then I had to be back here in Texas. So then just like I had like a day off and then rode back here. And I was oh, like, you rode back from California too? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, that's so, so I was bad. Like, <laughs> oh, so like, how many miles was that whole trip, dude? I don't know, but I like the, uh, like the cannonball itself was like a little over 2,800 miles for me. Okay. I think, I mean, that's like what my odometer said. And, you know, like, motorcycle odometers can be a little bit finicky or whatever. But, yeah, it was definitely, like, over 2,800 miles. Because there was a few times that I, like, in New Jersey, I, like, took a wrong turn and, like, you know, got on the wrong highway and had to backtrack. And, you know, then you have, like, a few extra miles here and there for fuel stops off highway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you did make a couple wrong turns. Or just one? Just one, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you had the GPS going, huh? Was that in your ear, too, or is that Mm -hmm. only on the screen? Yeah, so I had that programmed into my headset as long as I had battery for that. Yeah. I was so gonna say, how that. did you keep the battery going on that thing? Because those don't last fucking 33 hours. No, it doesn't. And so I brought um, an auxiliary battery and just like plugged it in. Um, but it didn't work as well as I thought. And it definitely died, you know. Did it? And I kind of like, I kind of had to turn it off and like revive it, you know, like give it a couple hours to like charge back up. But um, that was my plan. And that was just like one of those like little things that, you know, you can't expect everything to go perfectly. Yeah. But as far as me doing this, like, I for the, I pretty much had good weather. Like, I didn't get pulled over. Like, I got pretty lucky as far as all things can Not go. Not pulled over at all. And what your average speed was what? It was, like, a little under 87 miles an hour average. Damn. Okay, I told somebody 87 yesterday. I was right. Yeah. 87. Dude, that's, that's fucking, that's it's, a pace, I mean, dude. when you think about, like, these times you have to, like, you know, stop for fuel or get stuck in a construction zone or whatever, you're making up for it, you know, in the straightaways, you know, and I-40 in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, you get to a point of diminishing returns if you go so fast, it's like, you know. You do. You're yeah. losing fuel, and now you're going to have to stop again. And You do. And I mean, like, you could probably sit down and... I was going to say, did you do the actual math? Yeah, like, you could, like, I'm sure you could, like, sit down and be like, hey, look, if I just go 88 miles an hour, I can beat the current record or whatever, you know? But... There's all sorts of stuff you can't anticipate. That's why you have to go fast where you can. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What was the fastest you got to? Probably no more than like 115, just because it just like eats up the fuel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 115. Yeah, I did. And the, the longest stretch I did was on a twin cam, and it was from Tempe, Arizona to Weatherford. And it was like fucking 900 miles, or I don't even remember what it was. Mm-hmm. But I was going about 120 the whole time and mm-hmm. just stopping for gas. And it was, I think what got me the most was just holding myself up in the wind with ape hangers and no windshield, you know? Oh, like, yeah, that would be tough. Dude, it fucking beat me. I didn't, and I didn't realize it at the time because I wanted, I'd been on the road for a while, but. I've been there when you just like go faster, the closer you get home. to home, you're yeah. just so ready to be there. Yeah. yeah. I got pulled over. So in West Texas, two cops came up behind me at two separate times. Now I'm going over 100 and I didn't slow down. They didn't put their lights on. They just came up behind, I saw them in my rear view coming. Mm-hmm. They never turned their lights on. Mm. It's like they got close enough to read my plates and then backed off twice. I, and it might have been the same cop. Really? I don't know. Yeah. But as soon as I got to the county I live in, Parker County, cop on the other side of the highway, I saw, I like made eye contact with him. You know, he turned his lights on. I pulled over. He had to do a U turn over onto the side of the road because I pulled over immediately, you know. And, mm. and he was like, what the fuck? You know, I told him where <laughs> I was coming from. He was like, were you going this fast all day? And I was like, yeah, I was. <laughs> and he just handed me my ID back and was like, well, I guess you'll be home in no time. 
It's like it's so oh, hilarious to get pulled over right here in Parker County yeah. after doing it, you know, through three different states. Yeah. Uh, so no, no, no. Did you think you were getting pulled over at any point? Yeah, there was a couple of times I did have them behind me or pull out behind me, and you know, with the radar detector, you know, you can and. It's not like, um, I don't know if you've ever used radar detectors, but it's not as easy as like... I mean, not since the fucking 90s or something. Oh, and they're really great now, but it's just like, it's not always as easy as, yes, there's a cop ahead. It's not like black and white because, you know, you have all these other things like emitting radar and stuff. Yeah. So you're kind of like analyzing, you know, like based on that and like crowdsourced like data, you know, like that you get through like, like Google and we're stuff. using Waze or anything? Yeah. And then, well, using that data in a different app. And then like, you're kind of like, you know, making like a... A decision on like whether you think it's like a real threat or not, and that's for the radar. For the laser, like there's no like warning. Like whenever you're, like the radar detector goes off for laser, like they have a laser on you and they have your speed. You know, so that's why it's you, like, hey, somebody got you there. It's instantaneous. So like the radar is like a shotgun, whereas like laser is like a, a sniper rifle. And so like they, you know, that's why you have the jammers. And so the strategy uh, that I was using, and I. I had the, the laser jammer go off a couple of times, but I don't know if it was false or not, you know, if like, um, but anyway, the strategy I'm using is you jam, uh, the, the laser um, jammer will jam for like three seconds and then turn off. So you know that you're being hit. So during those three seconds, you slow way down and then allow them to like tag you at like 75 miles an hour or whatever so that they don't get frustrated that you're jamming them because it is legal in most states, but also you don't want to piss off this cop, you know, with it's like- It's legal? In most states, yeah. Really? Not in Texas, Oklahoma. There's like a handful. I mean, like, if and I was like, a cop and I was like, oh, he just slowed down. And I would pull you over and meet like legal, not legal. Well, I'd be like, I need to go see what this guy's up to. It may be. And, you know, but, you know, I was thinking that maybe they'll just like be like, oh, I just didn't have like, you know, a good read on him or whatever. And now I do, you know. It, oh, but uh, when your nose dives and he well, can blatantly <laughs> see you slow down. But. Anyway, that seemed like a better alternative instead of like jamming like as I'm going past, like jamming the whole time and then just like having them get frustrated. Okay, so you set that setting up for three seconds. Yeah, okay. like it comes like that on the brand I have. But like um, I just felt like if you're like jamming the whole time and never allowed them to get a reading at all, yeah, then they get be you for like more suspicious. Like a uh, license plate, license plate, like, you know, cover holder, like, you know, find some like little BS reason to like pull you over and give you a ticket. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they can pull you over and write you a ticket, period. Oh, yeah, No matter yeah. what. Like, they, I, they can make up something for sure. Yeah, I mean, the first time I went to jail, it was because we, we looked suspicious or we didn't, you know, we turned into a suspicious parking lot. I can't, you know, it was like, <laughs> he was right, you know, we yeah. were doing like, uh, But it was definitely bullshit, you yeah. know, but they can do, I mean, I think people fuck up. They should always treat the cops as though they can do anything they want. Cause yeah. You know, legal or not, they can, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, do you want to go down that road or not, you know? Mm -hmm. I've always had good luck with cops. And I've been arrested a lot. Like, I've gone to jail a lot. Uh, but, you know, I've also had, like, they've all been, only one time did I have, like, a bad experience. Like, this last year, I've been pulled over, I don't know, five, maybe six times. No, no tickets. What? <laughs> no. What are you doing right? That's. I just talk to the officers <laughs> yeah. like they're normal people. You yeah. know, like most people like wait for them to quit talking so that they can plead their case. Mm -hmm. Where I'm just like, hey, what's you know, like let's just like this, you know, like yeah. look them in the eyes and respond to their whatever they say. You know, yeah. like instead of telling them what I think they need to hear, mm -hmm. 
I mean, that's what I do, really. I'm like, yeah, but, it's, <laughs> but I'm usually responding to whatever they have to say. Yeah. And, you know, riding a, a chopper, they, you know, they're always shocked that there's a Texas plate on it, you know, wherever I'm at. They're like, how the fuck did this thing get here? <laughs> My new bike's got flames all over it, and it's brand new. So the two times I got pulled over on that, they're like, they try and be hard up with me, and then they realize that, you know, I'm not going to bullshit. Like, you know, that they're on... We're all good here. Yeah. They could write me a ticket. I don't care. And then they're like, all right, let's talk about this motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, dude, I, I was talking to a guy yesterday about getting a, a, a motorbike cop on the show. You know? Oh, yeah. Or I had mentioned that I had gotten pulled over a while back by a cop on a, a BMW or something. And I was on that. And we ended up talking motorcycles for a while. Mm-hmm. And last year when all this shit was going haywire and they're like, defund the police, I'm like, you fucking jackasses. Like, <laughs> it's the most difficult job. Like, it's like, oh, maybe my civic duty could be like, you know, showing people that these guys are, it's a tough fucking job, you know? And I'm sure there's some cool dude, or, you know, yeah, some cool dudes that ride bikes and they're cops, right? Yeah. So I'm telling him about this and he's like, oh, I got the guy, you know, and starts telling me all these crazy stories. Like, oh yeah, he just rode his bike off a fucking overpass two weeks ago. He's not even riding right now because he what? hit a batch of marbles. Oh my God. And like went off. He sent me pictures a minute ago. I'm like, holy fuck. I don't know if it was like he was chasing somebody and they threw yeah. the marbles or if there just happened to be marbles in the road. Like, I never thought about marbles being, I didn't even know anybody had any fucking marbles No, anymore. I thought that was something out of like cartoons or like Home Alone or whatever. Like putting down marbles. Went off a fucking overpass. <laughs> like, oh, Nuts. I might have yeah. to talk to this guy. Dude. Uh-huh. So do you want to talk about what you do for work? Um, yeah, if you want to. I, I mean, mean, what allows you the time to be like, fuck, I'm taking off and I'm riding my bike across the country. Yeah, well, Because that... I know that that's part of, you know, being able to do it. You know, it's like aligning all the other things in your life with the money, the time. I mean, that's not like... I'm yeah, gonna... you. I mean, like, I, you know, it definitely, like, requires, like, kind of being more mentally flexible as, like, you know, as far as, like, scheduling what I do for work. And so now I'm just, like, trying to, like go and work a little bit here and there as I can. But in the past, I've worked as a flight medic. Um, so just as like a paramedic on helicopters, you know, okay. going out to um, I hope I for never sick see and hurt you. people. I hope I never yeah. see you on a helicopter. Yeah, I've done that uh, in Texas and New Mexico and then Alaska also. Oh, wow, in yeah. Alaska. Um, what, do you go out there and like retrieve people from bear attacks and shit or what? Uh, sometimes. I never got to go out to bear attack personally, but I know coworkers that did. No shit. Yeah. So you, what, are you on bush planes or helicopters up there? Up there they have both planes oh. uh, or fixed wing and rotor wing. So both like planes, jets, and, um, and helicopters. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then like um, also, you know, the Coast Guard is up there operating. Um, um, the pararescuemen with uh, the National Guard or, or whatever it is on the helicopters up there. And, uh, and, then, um, and then, yeah, you have like some smaller planes, uh, you know, like or even just like King Airs, like for unimproved runways and like, you know, like a lot of short distance stuff. And then if it's longer distance and you have jets um, and also jets have the ability to take people down to the lower 48. You know, because you have to like transport people sometimes all the way back to sometimes to Seattle or, you know, like wherever they're from, if they're up there on a cruise, you know, um, but even just like there's, they don't have like every, um, medical capability up there. Like you do like in the lower 48. So if they need a burn center, they're going to Seattle, you know, stuff like that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, What's the craziest call you've ever been on? Um, I'm not sure. Like, 
it's <laughs> I, I don't have a, a good answer for that, but um, I definitely what? like enjoyed like what I what I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that mean do you? I mean the people in my family. We've got a couple people in the medical field, and they're like so opposed to the motorcycle thing. Like I've kind of softened them up to it, I think. But yeah. like. You know, and not just my family. Like, I, I meet people, and they're like, oh, shit, I see those motherfuckers that ride motorcycles, and they come into the hospital. You know, like, has that ever, you know, you ever seen something where you're like, oh, fuck, maybe, maybe riding my motorcycle across the country at high speeds, maybe that's not a good idea. Where you're like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's accepted risk, because I, I've, I've seen these hurt people, you know. Yeah. And, and so I know what it is, but it's just accepted risk. And... Um, yeah, like even like when I worked in New Mexico, like my my work partner rode motorcycles also. We'd go ride motorcycles in our free time, and um, and there's a. Um, there's you sound like a really good kind of guy to have on a trip. Like in case <laughs> something does go wrong, yeah. get out, Alex, over here, yeah. dude. There's a there's a great lecture. Uh, it's a medical talk, but uh, you know a guy talks about his experience being one of the medical doctors at Isle of Man TT, and so wow. he goes through and. Um, I think his name was Dr. John Hines, and there's like, uh, you can find this stuff on YouTube, and there's like one lecture where he goes through and like kind of like talks about different cases uh, he saw there at Isle of Man TT, and he would go by, behind him on a superbike with like his kit, and he'd be like one of the first people there on some of these accidents. So he'd go through, and super experienced guy, um, you know, when it comes to like motorcycle injuries and just trauma in general. So I remember like my partner and I, you know, uh, work partner and I, like we, we've like seen some of the stuff, we know about like these injuries and like, so like we were ready, like especially like, fresh off of this lecture, like all right, we got a game plan like that we'd already talked about for the next motorcycle accident that we go to, and like you know when you have a good partner like that, it's just like seamless. Like you hardly have to talk. You yeah. just both already like anticipate. So what any to do. of the riders that are listening, like they would be super stoked if Alex shows up. They're like, this is the guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and I've been thinking. I mean, this this situation I find myself in is elevated, you know, quite rapidly. I would say, and. I've been thinking that it would do me good to get some kind of training, you know, like as much as I ride by myself with other people, you know, like, I mean, knock on wood, I haven't, well, I mean, I have, I have, I've been through some shit already, yeah. but I've been lucky enough to where it didn't need like some kind of tourniquet or, you know, there was, I just, I didn't know that there's technologies and just practices now that can save some people in dire situations when there's not help that's going to be there fast, where if you don't know, then you, you can't do anything. And I know that, you know, is there a way I can go learn? Is there like a, a I know, weekend class I could take? I know that there is a, a class that became more popular and it was like just, uh, it's called Stop the Bleed. And it's yeah. about like using tourniquets and like packing wounds and it's like meant for the layperson. And uh, so that's like an easy class to find. Like if somebody's hurt on the highway and you don't have anything on you, you know, you're, like, you're kind of like limited on what you can and can't do uh, yeah, especially I mean, you know like and plus you know like we eventually you know some of these people if they're really hurt they may need like blood or blood products and eventually get to an or but like tourniquets can definitely be life-saving that's what i'm saying and there's not, some things i can carry on yeah. with that aren't you know that are probably i mean i carry some shit that's probably not necessary you know yeah. com compared to something like that uh-huh yeah yeah there, there's definitely like stop the bleed stop the bleed yeah there's okay. definitely classes you can go take and then like get comfortable using a tourniquet I think that would be good. I think that'd be very smart of me. Yeah. I came up on a motorcycle accident, I don't know, before I was riding as much. I may not even, I don't even think I had a bike at the time. But we were skateboarding downtown at some parking garages. Hmm. And we got on the highway and we had just come, I mean, something had just happened. We go over, we find this guy. 
I'm pulling his bike out of the highway. His son comes out of nowhere. They were riding together and, you know, his fucking dad was out. Uh, but that was a head injury. You know, it was like there was nothing. I mean, no helmet. Mm-hmm. What, who does that? Man, I, yeah, I, I do. Oh, you, know, you do that? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, man, I like to ride fast, but I, I always wear a helmet. I don't know. If you, if you saw, I actually like started uh, I saw the vest. wearing an airbag vest. Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I forgot that I did see that. Yeah. So which brand are you wearing? That's uh, the Helite. And uh, there's a couple like that. That one actually like has just a CO2 cartridge and like uh, you can like repack it if you need to. Um, and just like a rip cord for it. Mm-hmm. Because there's some actually that you need like a subscription for, like a monthly software subscription. Like, no way I'm doing that, you know. And then there's some that work off of like uh, accelerometers or like, you know, like the, the things that measure angle, you know, for like if you're, I don't know if they like use them, if like the guys that race or do track days use them, but they have some that are like even just like uh, electric fan um, inflatable. And then just like electric work off. fan? Yeah, they have some that just like. Just like the, the like the the avalanche um, stuff, like if you've ever seen the backpacks, you know, like um, for in case you get caught in an avalanche. No. Um, same thing. They have some that are like CO two powered and some that are like fan powered. That's insane. Yeah. I think the CO two is the way to go. A small explosive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. I, I mean, like I haven't had to use it so far, and like you know, I do have the Did tether. You test it? No, no, because like I'm like. I know that like one of these days my buddy's just gonna come up and yank it or something, but so far that was the first thing that always, my buddy races with one, and yeah, I'm just like, man, I can just pull up wait, to it. If, if I can get close to this yeah. guy, he's only got one arm and he's faster than me than I'll ever be. But yeah, just pull up. Just next come to up to a stoplight and yank it. Yeah. Oh shit! So does yours like what sets yours off? Just the cord, or is it connected to something? Or um, I have it connected to the frame or like subframe or whatever, and it just it has a, a rip cord. In case you go over the top of the handlebars or slide off or whatever, I God, guess. Do you think you would be coherent enough in the situation to grab that? No, no, you don't grab it. It's attached to the bike. Oh, okay. So if right. you get so, tossed off, then then it's getting pulled. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Gosh, I would have, if I'd have had one of those on this last trip I did coming back from Sturgis, it would have gone off like three times. Why is that? Just for me, low speeds, flying off the bike, you know? Oh, like, were you? I was going over a boulder pass, and I just bottomed out, and like, you know, I like went up over the handlebars. I came back down, but I know that it would have been enough. To, were, were you on this, uh, like, I was on. No, I was on my Pan America. Oh, okay, this, yeah. The, the new Harley. Yep. Uh, How do you like that? Dude, I like it a lot. Like, I, I liked it way, I mean... I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Like, I knew that I was going to have fun. It's a new bike. It's sweet. It's capable of way more than any of my other bikes are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, so you don't know. You're, you're meeting me for the first time. When I got it, I had my buddy paint it. Got some sweet flames on it. So I had it for like three days, mm-hmm. riding it around. I'm like, holy shit, it's a fucking lightning bolt. Anyways, you gotta, I got to put flames on it. Like, mm-hmm. right out of the gate, put flames on it. I get it back, <clears throat> my buddy Scott, Chemical Candy Customs, I mean Randy from Chemical Candy Customs, painted it in like, he painted it way faster than, I mean, he did it quick. He did it real <laughs> quick. And uh, where was I going? Oh, yeah, so then I get on the bike. I ride it to Tennessee to an event that we're doing. and I had, But I hadn't got to ride it off-road. So it's still like... I had to ride it down the highway. You know, like I didn't get the bike to ride down the fucking highway, but I had to make time. Just had things going, mm-hmm. and uh, 
So I really wasn't even stoked about it. I'm like, this fucking thing, like, just riding down the high. I mean, sure, you can go 120, but it's funner to go faster on a slow bike than it is to go fast on a fast bike, right? It's like mm-hmm. on my chopper, when you're fucking doing 75, you know, you're, you know, you're all That feels it, fast. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, it's just a lot more fun. You know, like, yeah. not that it, it's faster or feels that way. It's just, you know, you're just right there on the edge. I mean, anything could go wrong. I mean, whatever. So I wasn't stoked about it. Then I get to this event at Loretta Lynn's Ranch, and there was this kid on this Tanier 700, I think it was, or 900, whatever it was, a Yamaha. 700s, yeah. Like and the new was, one? Those are cool. Oh, it was a fucking rad bike. Yeah. And he kept, like, talking shit to me, you know, like, uh, I'm not me personally, but the bike, you know, like, oh, yeah. let's see if that fucking Harley can ride. And I was busy doing things, so I just kind of kept blowing him off, and then... And then he caught me at the right time. And I was like, all right, I can go. Let's fucking, he was like, let's see what that thing can do. So we take off into the woods. He takes me on some fire roads. We did some hill climbs in the bike. I had street tires on it. And it was awesome. I mean, I was just like, you know, it just made me really excited. I'm like, okay, this bike is going to be sick. You know, like Mm -hmm. I haven't got to use it like that. And uh, anyways, we're coming back to the campground. I'm stoked. Some truck's going slow in front of me. So I go to pass him and he turns, left turn. Boom. And just, I smoked the side of this fucking truck. No way. Knocks me off into the fucking gravel ditch, dude. And, uh, you know, I'm like, fuck. I just like immediately jump out of the ditch and just start take off running. Mm -hmm. Just my immediate reaction. (laughs) Just run from the pain, the embarrassment, like (laughs) my broken brand new bike. And then I come back to it and the guy in the truck's like, oh my God, are you okay? I'm like, dude, I'm fine. You know, everything's going to be okay. Like, how's your truck? Did it fuck up the bike? It was a brand new truck, you know, big old dent in the side, paper plates. I got paper plates on my bike. And my the guy who was on the Yamaha, he had already picked it up. And I'm now I'm looking at the bike, and that guy's like over my shoulder asking if I'm okay. You know, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, dude, you know, like, holy fuck, look at this bike. There's hardly anything wrong with it. Mm -hmm. There was a crash guard that saved my leg from getting smashed. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I see the guy, I can't think of his name. Nashville delinquent on the Instagram, but he had a GoPro on his helmet somewhere in there, and I could see it blinking, and I'm like, oh, dude, you got that on film, and he was just like, no. No? And I was like, (laughs) what, and like, I didn't even press, I'm like, whatever, you know, I had just met this guy, like, we didn't even really talk with our helmets off, it was just go ride, come back, bam, I hit a truck. So I'm like, whatever, and I get on the bike, and I fucking, I'm scared to start. I don't even think it's going to start up, you know? I'm like, fuck. So I just start rolling it down this hill. I'm like, you know, fuck it. I got, let's find out. And I turn it on. It fires right up. And we ride off. And like at that point when I had this bonding, you know, like it was now my bike. You mm-hmm. know, like we both just got fucking knocked off the road by a truck, picked up our shit and rode off. And, uh, and it was also a good wake up call because I was starting to ride. I mean, I'm an aggressive rider. And that bike was taking it to another level that, uh, you know, was unnecessary. So that was like a little wake-up call. Like, hey, dude, you know, these... got to dial it back yeah, a little bit. <laughs> dial it back. <laughs> Anyways, an hour goes by, and that, that kid comes up, and he's like, hey, dude, I got it on film. I just didn't want to say anything while that dude was there in case there was, like, incriminating evidence. Mm. And I was like, oh, you smart motherfucker. Let's <laughs> see that shit, you know? So that was cool. But, uh, no, the bike, it's been great. And, you know, since that point, it like, you know, it felt like my bike. And then I got to, I did a, have you done any of the BDRs? No, but I, uh, but I am interested. Yeah. Dude, so I did, 
the Colorado BDR on the way to Sturgis, and it was fucking, it was so great. It was so great. I mean, everything from the, you know, and I bought the paper map. I'm like literally in my pocket pulling it out the whole mm-hmm. way. My buddy, uh, Randall, he's got a Pan America. We took off together. And everything from the terrain to the people on the trail, uh, the gas stops, the way everything was laid. I mean, it was just incredibly done. Like, I was so impressed with the whole experience. Get it, you know, and I've ridden a lot around Colorado, but not like that. And mm-hmm. you just got to see a little bit of everything. Everything from silt fields to fucking giant rock passes and then just open plains of vastness where you can just, like, the most well-maintained gravel roads you've ever been on. I mean, just go as fast as you want and just, like, mm-hmm. slowly drifting around these big sweeping turns. Uh it was great. Like, now my new goal is to do all of them. That sounds super cool. I'm, I'm definitely like interested in, in doing at least one of them. I know it looks like they take a while. There's some of them that are like kind of long. But I was looking at the New Mexico one, and like, you're knocking out some miles on that. On yeah. That route. Yeah. When you know, going from riding on the road to riding on the dirt, you don't cover as many miles on the dirt. You know, like mm-hmm. when I was looking at the way they had it laid out, the sections, I'm like, oh, I can do like three sections a day. You know, but. <laughs> 250 miles in the dirt, you know, that's that's a fucking day. That's dude. a long day. You man. are worn the fuck out. So most of their days are like 150 to 200 miles. Uh, you know, and just the way that they have it sectioned off, it's it's really good. And I thought the way that they push it to the masses, you know, like uh, promote it and advertise for these BDR routes, I thought it was going to be pretty easy. You know, like mm-hmm. I didn't think there was going to be challenges, but there was. There was like... There was some serious shit that, you know, one wrong turn, one fucking bump of a rock and, you know, goodbye. Man. You know, like, that's <laughs> it. Like, it was yeah. impressive. So yeah. I, if you're interested, I would say pursue that. Okay. Because, uh, you know, I wanted to do, I, I mean, I'd like to do the T, what is it, the TAT, the Trans-American yep. Trail. Uh-huh. Uh, but, dude, what's cool about these is there's like eight days, you know? Like, you can go there and knock one state out. It's got a beginning and end. Mm-hmm. Uh just, it's really well done, and it's more like conducive to my time schedule. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm thinking the Trans American Trail is probably first going to happen in like stages where I'm going to do, you know, I've done the the Arkansas bit and you know the Oklahoma spot. That I mean, there's not much there in Oklahoma, but yeah, I would like to do maybe not like a, maybe not set a record, but at least t- like do it. Do it from start to finish on the time regimen. You know, like try and see how fast I can do it. What what I mean, what was the condition of the roads like or the trails or whatever you're on for the TAT? Fucked up. Yeah. Rocky as shit. Like mm. I mean, I was shocked that they promote the big bikes as much as they do. Cause it's like, I mean, some of that shit, you know, it'd be te- it's technical on a dirt bike, you know, and I'm on a fucking So like in Arkansas, it's like you're boulder hopping over some of this stuff. Yeah. Like going over big, yeah, that's... Like in Colorado, like some of the shit was just big ass rocks and like... That's, I mean, that's tough on terrain. a big bike. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, like a dirt bike on that shit, you can just point it and go. On a big bike, you got to really be paying attention to the lines that you're taking. You can't just, you mm. know, or you can, but you're just going to be working that big ass bike even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, the New Mexico one, I haven't done it, but that's definitely going to happen next year. Cool. The, you know, yeah. they've got 
some single tracked at the BDR right over there by Red River. Did you see that, that they opened up Elephant Rock? No, I haven't seen that. Really great single track that, uh, man, it's fucking really good trails over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm, I was just so impressed with the whole, yeah, everything that they had to offer. The trails, the way it was mapped out, the layout, like it was just, it was done with some real thought by some pros. Mm-hmm. So I was going to actually do the, Col- uh, the California one last month. Uh, and it's only like Southern California. But it's one of the harder ones. I think it's like, I don't know, one of the top three difficulty ones. And I'm sure it's just because oh, wow. there's a lot of sand out there. Yeah. Is it like kind of in the desert portion of? I mean, it starts in uh, Yuma. I mean, yeah, there's, yeah it's yeah. got to be through the desert. Yeah. What's your experience in the sand? Oh, not a lot. I mean, like I used to ride, you know, sand whenever I'd encounter it, you know, on the KLR and BMWs and and other bikes and stuff. But I'm not like one of these guys that used to race motocross or anything. (laughs) I'm not like, I'm not that talented, you know. Have you done any training courses like off-road things? No. So last year, uh, the the fine folks over at BMW uh, sent me to California, like I was saying, and I did their rawhide class where it was oh, like yeah, a yeah. class, and it was amazing. You know, like mm-hmm. I've done, I've ridden a lot, uh, but never with any formal training. You know, right? That's me. And getting yeah. that from them, you know, it was, it was honestly, it was really, really good. And I learned a ton. Um, I would suggest, like, it makes me want to seek out other classes, mm-hmm. just because I enjoy riding and I'm, I'm da- always down to learn. What you know, like, if anybody can teach me some shit, you know. I'm going to soak it up. So yeah. it was, that was cool. And they do a lot of tours too. The Rawhide, uh, you know, they do the Continental Divide ride. Mm. I think, you know, they do some stuff down in South America. He canceled all of his, uh, his Mexico tours. I was talking to him about that last year. Me and my buddy Mike on our choppers did Copper Canyon. You know, Copper Canyon down in Mexico. Yeah, I've heard of it. I don't know a lot about it. Dude, but you rode down there? So fucking sick. Like, yeah. it was awesome. And he used to do a tour with the bikes, but he was like, dude, there's just so much cartel down there. It's like, you know, these people pay me lots of money. I can't, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just not, you know, the cartel's never really given me any troubles or any of my friends that have encountered them. Uh, they don't really want to have a lot to do with the people on bikes. You know, like they've got other shit going on. But it is intimidating, you know, like, you know, people just don't. I mean, they can't, they can do, they can do whatever the fuck they want, you know. But right. from my experience, the cops are more of a fucking hassle in Mexico <laughs> than the federales or than the fucking cartels are. So. Yeah. Uh, huh. Did you have any trouble with cops down in South America? Um, I mean, not real. I mean, well, there's a miscommunication, and I got locked down the police station one time in Colombia. I've had to bribe the cops in Panama three or four times. Yeah. Honduras, the border control, like, took my passport and I had to pay to get it back. You know, it's so like little stuff like this, but these aren't, like, really shocking stories, yeah. are they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they always need their bribe. Yeah. Know? They, like, we went out of our way this last trip, uh, this last, uh, what, back in May? We went down to Beaumont and crossed in... Reynosa, it went over to Monterey, down to Zacatecas, up to Durango, and over to Mazatlan, and took a ferry over to the Baja, mm. and rode up the Baja. But you know, we I went through the extra legwork of getting vehicle permits and shit at the at the fucking border. We had to bribe to get those, you know, like yeah. it was like, 
We could have just waited in case we got pulled over and bribed. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking when we got on that ferry that we would need, you know, some kind of paperwork or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like it's what but I guess what I'm saying is I tried to go about the legal way. So it didn't we make a still difference. Had huh? to bribe, you know? <laughs> yeah. We cost us more money. Just an extra couple bribe. people got a cut. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, fuck, dude. So how long does it take to, to write up Baja? Dude, we did it fucking a couple of days. But wow. we were on choppers. Uh, or I was on a chopper. We were you're, on, you're on paved. Yeah. They do the fucking highways paved all the way down. Fresh blacktop. It's wow. insane. It's okay. beautiful. Uh but I want to go back now on a fucking you know, I really want to go on a dirt bike and like race the Baja yeah, or like the Nora. Yeah, know. You know, like the Nora is cool because it's not like ride 500 miles on one stretch. It's like the Nora is set up where you do like 200 miles a day and then everybody parties at a campground that night. And then you do 200 miles the next day. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I like racing. I like the, you know, all the aspects of racing, but you know, I don't need to do the Baja 1000 and go a thousand miles all in one stretch. Like I'd rather take my time and really experience it. I mean, the mid 400, the, the way I look at it is it's our chance to go ride in that desert, mm-hmm. you know? Like, so there's like stages and bivouacs. It's not like all in one go, right? Which one? The mid 400? Yeah, so the mid 400, there's pits along the way. Okay. And it's not even 400 miles, it's 180. Okay. And the first year I did it, I tried to do one whole lap. I mean, I was originally going to do the whole thing by myself. And then my buddy Carlos was there. I was like, Carlos, you know, like you got to be, you're on my team. You know, Uh you just got recruited. Actually, I mean, I did have a plan to have a bunch of people, but then I understood that, you know, I don't know. It was my first go. Mm. So yeah, there's pits along the way. There's like three pits on the 90 or 80 mile lap. What we're going to do this year is have a a side-by-side and we're going to take turns. So he'll do the first stretch to the first pit. Then I'll jump on the bike. He'll jump in the Can-Am, meet me at the next one. Mm. And we'll just take turns the whole way. Okay. Yeah, cool. So, so you both get a chance to, to experience it and ride and yeah. as a team. And, dude, it's cool. so difficult. I mean, it's like, like the like, gnarliest riding I've ever done. It's probably like both like physically and mentally like draining, right? Just like riding off-road like that? M- mentally? I don't know. I was hurting so bad physically. Like like literally within fucking 10 minutes, uh, I would say within, before 10 miles, Mm -hmm. I was fucking dead. Like (laughs) dead. Like my arms didn't work. And the problem was also is I built that bike up until the day before. I didn't get to go like test ride it around, figure out how everything worked and how to maneuver the weight. Mm-hmm. Now that I've got more riding time, I could do it without exerting so much energy. But I was just like, dude, I was just fucking white nutshell. <laughs> have you ever seen sand whoops that are above your head? No. Where it's just like this. I hope I never do. It is the deepest <laughs> sand ever. I was like, this is insane. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, we're going to do it on an even older, bigger piece of shit motorcycle this year. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's fun. Mm-hmm. And the dirt, what I'm finding, what I like about riding the dirt, like the BDR and having this new adventure bike, is there's not as many people out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you travel on the interstates, everybody's trying to get from some place to another place. And then you go to like the two lane highways, the blacktops off the interstates. The, 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 uh, the people are more relaxed, you know, they stop and talk. You don't have to eat fast food. There's like other places to eat. <clears throat> and then you go to the dirt. There's like 
even less people. And when you see somebody after, you're like, oh, shit, there's somebody here. You know, like <laughs> yeah. in this random spot, like take off all your gear and have like a, you know, a sit down and talk. And, yeah. And then there is no food, you know. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you go Hopefully like you brought something. Fast yeah. food to like restaurants to like, you know, diners. And then you get to like, all right, you got to bring your own shit. Yeah. But what was really cool on the BDR is I met this guy named, uh, oh, fuck, what's his name? David Mann. He was on a KTM. He had one of the fucking headset units on. I had a headset unit on. And actually, the guy that I took off with, Randall, we, we were fucking talking to each other as we're riding down these trails, like arguing about which turn to take, you know? Like who's yeah. looking at their map better, you know? Yeah. And it was awesome. I could join that with Randall. And then Randall, Randall's bike fucking got smoked after a day of riding. And then I meet this guy on the side of the road and then, or on the trail. And next thing you know, we're hooked up. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting to know each other while riding the trail. We've both never ridden, uh, dude. It was just—it's pretty really cool. Like it. I'll go and ride with my with my dad and brother. You know, we all have like communicators, and it's like a totally different experience. It's like you know a shared experience versus just kind of like follow the leader and like you know riding around or it whatever. Really, I mean, yeah. but I I mean I enjoy. I guess like when I ride my bike, not being able to see somebody's face next to me like drives me nuts. I like when somebody rides right next to me in the same fucking lane. Not like being able to look over and see their face, like see their reactions. Like, fucking donkey goes out in the middle of the road. I want to look over and see Kickstart Mike smiling at me. You know? Like, damn, there's a donkey, you yeah. know. Uh, but when you fucking wear a full face helmet and I can't see you, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, like you're not, you're losing it. So then to get the to get the audio, it's like, all right, well, I can't see your face, but I can hear you laughing and talking. Like, mm-hmm. it really made up for it. Like, I remember one time uh, on on the way to. I guess on the way to Sturgis, I'd piss somebody off on the road because I had passed them, you know, like they were on their phone and they just didn't see me. And it, they got all mad and they raged up against me. And they look over and I've got on like a black full face helmet with black, like, you know, probably intimidating. I would have loved to have just like flipped it up and smiled at them. Like, hey, you know, like this is, I don't, wasn't trying to piss you off. Yeah. Like that, 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 that form sense, of communication, yeah. it's got like fucking everybody wearing masks now. Like there's a lot lost that people, don't even realize like the communication that happens just passing by somebody on the road, just walking next to him, a little smile or wink or just mm-hmm. like, dude, I, I don't think it's good. And it's definitely not as enjoyable as it could be. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I feel like that on motorcycles. Like we're doing a trip next year and I, and I told a couple of the guys, Hey, open face helmets, dude. I want to see your face. I want to <laughs> when we fuck when I t- when I turn off the pavement and onto dirt, I want to look over and see you fucking going, "God damn, why are we doing this?" you know? Like Yeah. Uh, but that's just me being uh, selfish, I guess, so that I can have a better time, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, at their at their the risk of their safety. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah. so riding by yourself, like you know, you get to this point I mean, and I don't know, the way you were doing it, you were so engaged with what you were doing, uh, you, you don't get to like a meditative state, or did you? Did you get to a point where like, you weren't thinking about, did I prepare everything, or what's to come, where you were just like zoned in on just, I don't know. For about the, the first half, there was like really none of that, because it was just so busy coming off the East Coast, and like, you know, it's middle of the day, so there's traffic and construction zones, and you know, police out and about. Then I kind of like started to like get into, you know, like just like, you know, when I got into I-40, you know, like the navigation's like your next turn is in a hundred, you know, 1,256 miles or some, something like that. Some ridiculous <laughs> number. I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is <laughs> so boring. And so there's definitely lots of stretches like that. Um, 
and to where you know like to where you can you can safely kind of like you know just like be thinking about other stuff and like you know going down but then like you know like it's that was a long night and so like at one point i was like really feeling like dog shit until i like got another caffeine pill and then like i kind of got pepped back up but then, like <laughs> there was that one point where i'm just like you know at the gas station just like kicking rocks like why did i ever do this you know what, what was i yeah. thinking yeah oh yeah I mean, I get to some points where I'm like, I fucking hope this old motorcycle breaks. <laughs> I hope, it's, uh, hope a rod goes flying out of the yeah. case, dude, because I am so over this motherfucker. So, and then something will happen, and I'll be so stoked again. Yeah, you know? so that's how I was, you know, feeling like halfway, three quarters of the way through. And then, um, you know, then I get into California, and then there's just, like, nervous anticipation every mile that I get closer that something could go wrong. You know, oh, just like, yeah. yeah, like I'm so close. Like, uh, yeah, that's when something does happen. Yeah. And you made it. I made it. Yeah, it worked out. That's yeah. so sick. So what's next? Um, no big plans. I'm headed down to Honduras soon. I've been down there for um, about half the year, uh, just like doing some dive, um, scuba diving and stuff. Oh, no shit. Um, yeah, living there cheaply and enjoying, um, enjoying my time like in between work. So I've been doing that, and then, let's see, the, about the first half of the year, or it was about four to five months, I was in Fiji for uh, filming of a TV show, um, and so that was an interesting experience, too. I'd never wow. been out there on a TV set, and so I was just like, you know, one of the ancillary staff helping out, a medical person, and... Oh, no shit, so yeah. you were doing your medical stuff on the TV yeah, set? Yeah, I was like... just part of the medical team. There was quite a few people, and, but it was, uh, yeah, that was... Was, a... It a, was it a dive show? No, no, it was um, Survivor. It's, yeah, the TV show, you know, like on... Yeah, yeah they're where you, still like, filming Survivor? <laughs> For real? I know, yeah. Are they bringing it back, or has it been it's, going on this whole it's time? It's been going on this whole time. <laughs> no way, no way. Yeah. Maybe it's just on YouTube That's or what something. I said, too, but I was like, no, yeah, but yeah. So that was interesting, but... Um, so yeah, anyway, I'm just like kind of going around trying to like... Do some cool stuff in between in, in between work gigs. That's awesome. So, so yeah. Honduras. So I think my mom is trying to convince me and my family to go down there, huh? but to some fucking island. Not even in Honduras. It's like. Well, that's where I've been on an island. On an island. Yeah, I've been through there before. Like when I motorcycled through through Honduras, um, but I'm staying like on a little island next to Roatan, and it's it's chill. I mean, it's touristy, but. But not like your your typical tourists, you know, get like the cruise ship folk. It's, you know, it's people that are there to dive. Yeah. Or expats or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Be interesting. It'd be funny if we're going to the same spot. I'll see you there. Yeah, dude. Hey, what's it's, up, Alex? If you're there, it's small enough. I'll see you the first day, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> you know? damn. That sounds like where we're going. Yeah. That's funny. We're going to talk about that once I press stop recording. <laughs> Alex, thanks for coming out, man. I really enjoyed this. And, uh, dude, if you do anything else crazy like this, you got to like, we got to... Come in pre, pre, like during the planning too. So, because I want to hear all about it. Oh, for it. sure, man. I'd love to get together with you sometime in the future and, like, you know, do some crazy off road ride or, or whatever. Say, maybe we can do one of the BDRs, yeah. man. Uh-huh. That'd be rad. Thank you, sir. Thanks, man. All right. Good podcast, right? Alex Jones. I'll try and find his Instagram, tag him somewhere where you can follow along. And maybe if you got more questions, you can reach out and ask him. Super rad dude. He, uh, yeah, he just fucking rode out of here. What's funny is he, I got back in my shop and I fucking heard some weird bike come up. And I'm like, I go back out there. I'm like, oh, fuck. Alex Jones just came back and then he was leaving again. Well, he fucking dropped his phone. He rode all the way across the country without dropping his phone. He fucking dropped his phone in my driveway because my driveway is so gnarly. 
Just kidding. Alex Jones, thanks for coming out. All right, so I uh, hope you went to DangerDanceTalkShop.com and signed up for the Patreon link, right? Because we're going to give away stuff, and that's how you get involved. Uh, MCShopTees.com, because I know you're cold, you need a T-shirt. Maybe your kid's looking like a little fucking bitch at school, and you need him to look rad as fuck, so you want to sign him up. Or maybe you just need something to put on your wife so you can take it off of her. It doesn't even have to be your wife. You know, whoever, just buy them a shirt, right? Get them signed up. That way you can take it off and throw it on the ground. That's what I like to do. Uh, but we are giving away a $100 gift card to Lowbrow Customs. And we have a winner, and his winner is 177 Steve Day. Steve Day, no address. I don't know where you live, but I will email you. Thank you for contributing to the show. Danger Dan's Talk Shop. Man, dude, that's awesome. Steve Day, you just won. He's been signed up for a while, dude. Now, Steve Day, I'm gonna we're gonna I'm gonna uh speak your business to the world, right? He just won a $100 gift card to lowbrowcustoms.com for a $1 donation. That's right. Because the big prizes are only going to the $5 ones. And I just want to say that that's awesome, dude. Thank you for contributing. I mean, $1 goes a long fuck away, and he's given a lot of those $1, dude. I'm telling you, I've gotten places thanks to Steve. Steve, thank you for contributing, and uh, you have a wonderful fucking day. I will email you. Get your shipping information and get that sent out. Um, oh, I was just reading this email. Um, dude, it's rad. Fucking rad. Um, uh, yeah, so we give away a $100 gift card to lowbrowcustoms.com every month. I don't think I told you that in the beginning. I got excited with the big giveaways, which a $100 gift card is not chump change, dude. Uh, it's pretty rad that they're sending that and some other shit to each shop that we feature for MC Shop Tees, which reminds me I need to have them send some shit to Liam to go get the next month's shop out of Milwaukee. Yeah, we got a cool one coming up for, uh, yeah, for Milwaukee. Mama Tried's going to be next week, and everybody who's not at the Mint 400 should be at Mama Tried hanging out with the Milwaukee boys. Be good stuff for you. All right. DangerDanceTalkShop.com, MCShopTees.com. Uh, if you want to ride dirt bikes, meet me at Twin Hills this afternoon. Okay. Uh, podcast with Cycle Electric, father and son duo next week. Have a wonderful fucking day. Hey.